from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. And I looked around, I was like, okay, what's missing? And and nobody had flowers. And so we have put up high tunnels, which are season extension tools. They're unheated plastic structures. And then we also have greenhouses. We can extend our season, keep plants alive over winter, and harvest early in the spring. The property was so uh, exciting to us because of the original 1950 Lord and Burnham glass greenhouse. So we rehab that. Literally walked in and glass was crunching under our feet, condemned. I mean, it became harder and harder to make money as uh, a farmer florist, and so the industry pretty much vanished. I'm Sarah Fenske. An estimated 80% of cut flowers in the U.S. come from overseas, but that is not true of the flowers you purchase from Urban Buds. The sustainable florist grows its own flowers in St. Louis's Dutchtown neighborhood, and that includes 70 different kinds. And joining us today to tell us how they do it and why that's so revolutionary is Karen Davis, better known as Mima. She is a co-owner of Urban Buds. So Mima, welcome. Oh, thank you so much. So excited to be here, really. It's, it's a real pleasure. We are so glad you're here. And we're also joined today by Miranda Dushak. She's a co-owner of Urban Buds. She's also a small farm specialist at Lincoln University's St. Louis Extension. Miranda, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So, Mima, your land in Dutchtown has been a farm since 1870. How did the two of you get involved in farming it? Um, well, Miranda actually... Uh, discovered this piece of property through her work and um, said, hey, Mima, we had already been talking about farming together. And um, Mima, there's this place, and basically we went over and looked at it, and it was literally condemned. I mean, it had a glass green greenhouse on it, which we've rehabbed, but literally walked in, and glass was crunching under our feet. It, it was just a real, like... Fixer upper and Miranda yeah. was like, Mima, I don't know who would ever want to buy this. And I turned around and I said, We do. Right <laughs> now. And, <laughs> and what about this? I mean, it sounds kinda I, like a, a not the most idyllic farm setting right there. Yeah, yeah. You would think that. You know, ten years ago I just, you know, it, it Miranda had a hard time seeing it, but I saw a vision for us and um it was beautiful and ten years later this is our tenth anniversary. And we've made it happen. Yeah. Um, And that's so unusual to see a small farm thriving 10 years in. I'm also curious, Miranda, you're a fourth generation beekeeper. You've also done other kinds of farming. What made you guys settle on, we want to do flowers? Well, really, the flowers came uh, because of Mima's skill set. When we decided to farm together, uh, we looked at what we did well, our our skills, and what opportunities were available. Mima had been farming in Missouri since uh, the early 90s, and although she had left that, um, she still had customer base here. People knew her from the Clayton Farmers Market. Mm -hmm. So when we did our due diligence and uh, talked with some of our old old floral customers, they said, yeah, come on back. So... um, that's what we did. And Mima, you feel like flowers, those are your thing. It's my wheelhouse. What can I say? <clears throat> there, You know, when I looked at it a long time ago, 
You know, when <clears throat> tomatoes come into the marketplace, everybody's got tomatoes. Yeah. You know, when <clears throat> beans come in, everybody's got beans. And I looked around, I was like, okay, what's missing? And, yeah. and nobody had flowers. And it was such a unique idea to go into the into the marketplace place with flowers, and that was like over 30 years ago. Well, so from the outside looking in, I'm thinking, oh man, like everybody has flowers. You can get these roses at the supermarket, and mm -hmm. you know, carnations are everywhere. Turns out it's a whole lot more complicated. People are not growing these flowers. That's correct. In St. Louis, and they're not even growing them in Missouri. That's right. That that's correct. I think there's more and more flower growers coming up now. Um, but, you know, the flower frenzy is happening uh, across the country. There are more and more local growers starting up their own farms. Um, it's definitely difficult. Um, I think I would say it's more complicated than vegetables because there's so much variety mm -hmm. to choose from that you can grow, um, you know, all the way from native plants to to, you know, ex exotic roses, you know, you can, yeah. so it's a huge, huge, uh, broad spectrum of, of things you can grow. So to make certain decisions, to be able to make those decisions and then carry them out is the challenge. Miranda, I think a lot of people would be shocked to know that statistic I, I think I started with, just how many flowers come from overseas. You don't think of flowers as something that, that can store well and that you'd want to like take your time getting it to where it goes. Is there a historic reason that we're getting these from different countries? Yeah, the cut flower industry really changed in the 1990s with the Andean Trade Agreement. The Clinton administration addressed um, the the cocaine crack epidemic is trying to stop the growth of coca plants in um, Central and South America. And by doing that, uh, prioritized, gave preferential trade agreements to those countries to grow things like roses and carnations, uh, flowers that ship well. Oh, okay. Right? And so um, all these fields w had been transitioned to cut flowers, and that really just destroyed the domestic cut flower industry, and including the cut flower industry here in St. Louis. St. Louis used to have uh, glass greenhouses in Sunset Hills, in um, Crestwood, places like that, fluorescent as well. But mm. um, it just it became harder and harder to make money as uh, a farmer florist, and so the industry pretty much vanished. What's unique about our property is that they were farmer florists uh, for a hundred years and yeah. three generations of the Held family, and now we're just continuing that tradition. So we kind of say what we're doing is so old it looks new. Yeah, I love that you're you're mm -hmm. bringing this back exactly, and you're doing this in a more sustainable way. And this is again something that probably a lot of us who are happy to get flowers delivered we don't even think about. How are you guys trying to cut down on waste? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, th there's a lot of of plastic and waste in agriculture culture in general mm -hmm. you know so we we do we you know first off we use um omri approved products we we save the bees um we spray uh at night or early in the morning um um when we when we need to and it's really rare that we do mm -hmm. um you're using very minimal <laughs> minimal pesticides. minimal and they're omri approved which means that they're um the oh, organic uh, materials review institute certified products. Oh, yes, okay. yes. Um, and also, we really try and cut down on the plastics, although we use a lot 
it's inevitable. But we really try to, to minimize or get a longer life period out of the plastic that we do use um, and, and try and recycle as much as we can. And I understand floral foam. This oh, is a big terrible. issue. What, what makes floral foam so terrible? <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't biodegrade. We don't use it at all. Not at all. At no. all. At all. We, we use other things like um, um, wire mesh or... Uh, just not at all, or or we'll use corkscrew willow and wrap that up in the base of a vase. Uh, but really, not a it, it it's horrible for the environment, and there's so much of it out there. Um, it just does not biodegrade and just goes in the lamp. It never it, it never breaks down. It just spare. Yeah, so that's a problem. And you're able to make things look gorgeous. You have in front of me an example of a bouquet that just looks amazing. And this is flowers grown here in St. Louis and, and no foam in sight. And yeah. it's also, if what is this, April, beginning of April? I mean, again, you know, I mean, that we really try to extend our season yeah. in growing flowers. I mean, if you really think about it, um, to really be in this industry, um, you've got to have flowers producing early in February because what what's in February yeah I mean Valentine's Day right exactly, you gotta right, be on right, that right, yeah. right so all of the floral holidays really yeah. and weddings are, yeah. are, are you know after after May the flower industry kind of dips down a little bit until everybody comes back from vacation in September yeah so you got to really have that going on so too. how do you do that you're doing that in greenhouses yeah the property was so uh, exciting to us because of the original 1950 Lord and Burnham glass greenhouse so we rehab that we heat with um, natural gas and then we have availed ourselves of uh, research grants from the Missouri Department of Agriculture uh, they help us through their granting program to uh, try different varieties of cut flowers and different ways of growing them. And so we have put up high tunnels, which are season extension tools. They're unheated plastic structures. And then we also have greenhouses. So that means a similar plastic structure where, where heat is added. And in those ways, we can extend our season, keep plants alive over winter, and harvest early in the spring. And are you doing this uh, mostly with flowers that would be native to Missouri? No, 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 no. Um, the native flowers would, would be more in the field because they don't need the special yeah. um, attention that the, that the um, other flowers do. Okay, so you're doing you're doing a wide variety of blooms here. Yeah, you said seventy, but I think it's more like eighty. We kind of hey. lose lose track. You it's know, we use, up, huh? Yeah, we lose count. You know, so <laughs> that's amazing. Well, so we promise that you know this is this great opportunity for our listeners that we have two flower growing experts here because I know this is the time of year when so many of us are thinking, man, I should plant some stuff, mm -hmm. and then so many of us end up like giving up by. June. <laughs> so, so for spring planting, Mima, you're our floral expert here. When do people want to get those seeds or, or those bulbs? You tell me in yeah. the ground. Well, you want to, you know, if you're going to do seeds, you want to start those seeds now or earlier even, um, depending on what they are. I'm already too late. Yeah, you're, well, you know, you're never too late okay. because it's a long, hot summer, right? Yeah. So you could start those seeds now and be just fine. Um, you know, start with some basic things like sunflowers and zinnias. Zinnias are, are, are the workhorse of a flower garden because you can cut and just keep cutting. Cut and come again is what they, they're called. Um, and sunflowers, zinnias, celosia is another one that's really good. 
Um, if you're really, I hear that a lot of people are really starting to really look at cut flower native plants. You have your liatris, which are, all those are perennial. Um, liatris and your purple beard stung and your rattlesnake masters and... Okay, these are plants I have not even heard right, of. Right, I'm probably speaking a foreign language to people right now. Yeah. But if you just get in touch with us at Urban Buds, we could, you know, guide you in the right direction. And there's a whole nursery in the state of Missouri dedicated to uh, wildflower production and stuff. So. This is Missouri Wildflowers um, near Jefferson City. Correct. Okay. Correct. So you guys are giving this this planting advice to people. Are you worried you're going to put yourself out of a job if I can like teach myself well, how to actually grow you know, grow the something. thing is, people work so hard to get it planted and get it in the ground, and then they're so proud of of it. It's like they're little babies. So then they don't want to cut it, right? Yeah. So then they come to the Tower Grove Farmer's Market, and that's where we come in. Yeah. Because we're there every Saturday at the Tower Grove Farmer's Market. And, so they can um, buy a bouquet from you right? keep and theirs in their yard. There you go. There you go. So we're talking about getting these in to the ground now, I understand another important thing for those of us who've struggled with keeping plants alive. You might want to do a soil test. Oh, soil tests are key. What is this and why is this important? Uh, soil tests, you you look at the place you want to grow your cut flowers. We're going to say for the those plants Mima suggested, that's full sun, right? So you're going to want full sun and not around a black walnut tree. And you're going to take a soil sample of that area, six samples, six inches deep, just a little core sample of soil. Mix it together, get about a cup of material, and you can take that soil uh, sample to the University of Missouri Extension Office in Kirkwood, and they will get that to the plant diagnostic lab in Columbia. And you'll ask for the, the gardener uh, makeup. And if you have any concerns about heavy metals, let's say you're growing on uh, vacant lots, mm -hmm. which Urban Buds does as well, or places that houses have been dem demolished, then you also ask for a heavy metals concentration, especially if you're going to be growing anything edible, but even with cut flowers, because a lot of that lead contamination comes through surface contamination, just touching it. So anyway, the soil sample is going to tell you what you need to add in terms of fertilization and also just make sure your soil is safe to be working in. Okay, these are really like helpful practical tips. I'm, I'm grateful for this. I love how you looked at me when I'm like, what is a soil test? I, I imagine that I can't be alone and not have known <laughs> no, that, so no, thank no, you. No. But look, I mean, you guys are, are going up or you're in your 10th year right now. Um, amazing. It's amazing. And there are some really terrible statistics on this. You know, small-scale farms more likely to fail than restaurants. And here you guys are 10 years out. What do you think has been the secret to your success? Oh, I, I think it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think a, a couple of things. Uh, one, I think we're the... We can be the dynamic duo. You know, we can complement each other very well. We yeah. can also drive each other crazy, but we can do things well. <laughs> and then I think the community of St. Louis has just really embraced us from um, our aldermen to uh, government officials, to the state of Missouri, to our customers. So, I mean, really, it's the people showing up and buying our flowers that enables us to continue this dream and continue this project in Dutchtown. So um, that's a big thing. And, and I think people want to see us have success, you know, 1.6% of farmers in the United States are black and 14% are uh, women owned. Wow. So, you know, the statistics were stacked against, against us. us from day one. Yeah. And but we here we that. sit. Yeah. You know, and I think it's about tenacity too, our just will to, you know, make it happen. And the flowers themselves are so beautiful. 
Um, you know, it, it's a it's a totally different product buying a locally grown flower than you know getting what you get at a big box store for, for example. Sure. You know, it's just a totally different product. So. And I imagine on top of just how beautiful they are, they also last a whole a lot, lot longer. longer. Right? Yeah. Exactly. That exactly. is wonderful. Well, I congratulate you guys on this success. It's just so great to hear, and I can't wait to have you back in ten years, and we'll talk about how you defied the odds and are there for two decades. You know, we'll have you right. back before then too. <laughs> right. But, uh, Viva Davis, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you. And come visit us at Tower Grove Farmers Market. Our spring fling is this weekend. Come on out. And Miranda Dushak, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This episode was produced by Kayla Drake with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.